0: What's going on guys? In today's episode, we're going over how I got out of student debt and built financial freedom as a physical therapist. Let's get rolling. This topic is near and dear to my heart because uh, I'm going through it and it's been a big struggle, right? And uh, I want to give you guys some help. (laughs) It's a question I get all the time. One of my students right now, Nancy, uh, was asking a little bit about this, a little advice on finances after school. And uh, why do we need financial advice as physical therapists? Well, this uh, this stat blows my mind, makes me uh, smile, and uh, it also crushes my soul a little bit, right? So this is a tweet from Danny Mata, and I actually fact-checked him. This, these numbers are from the APTA, and they were from like 2017. Uh, they have not gotten better since, right? The average physical therapist student loan is $142,489, right? The average PT salary is $91,000, and I would say for outpatient orthopedics, it's probably a little bit worse than that, right? If you work in a setting similar to mine, I'm cash-based. I've left that whole system, but not everyone's making $91,000. I started off at sixty, right? We'll talk about the numbers. If you make $60,000, it's not great. Uh, and on the flip side, there are other professions that make a lot more. The average software engineer student debt loan is $36,000 and their average salary is $121,000, right? So, you know, we have this crushingly high student debt on average and our salaries aren't that high. There's a lot of other salaries, a lot of other professions where it doesn't cost as much to get started, right? So the value is a whole lot better because once you start working, you make a whole lot more money, right? And uh, you got to really want to be a PT, that or you get kind of misled, right? And uh, I wanted to answer this today because it's by far the biggest gripe if you talk to students. And it's one of the biggest gripes if you start creeping around on Reddit, on the physical therapy forums, right? Um, It's hard in good faith to tell people to go into physical therapy anymore just because uh, it's so expensive, right? And on the, uh, the other end, you don't get paid that much, right? We don't get really valued for our services as much as we'd like to. Um, I would say 15 or 20 years ago, if you went on Google and looked at what the best jobs out there were, physical therapy is almost always on the top of the list. You don't see that anymore. And uh, I think this is one of the major reasons why, right? It's just very expensive to go to school. It's a huge time investment. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and then people get a little bit upset once they graduate and they realize just how much money they, uh, they're in debt with and how much they have to pay back, really. Right? So yeah, the problem is that most students, once they graduate, they're absolutely swimming in debt, right? And most phys- physical therapists are not financially driven. They didn't go to f- the physical therapy because they wanted to be millionaires, right? Uh, so this ends up being a problem because if you don't have money smarts and you have a ton of debt and you're not making enough money, this ends up being extremely frustrating because not only do you not have enough money, but you don't know how to make more, n- more money and handle all the debt that you have currently, right? And I see the counter argument to this all the time. Like, you know, people will respond to everyone complaining on Reddit saying that, you know, <laughs> school is too expensive and I don't get paid enough. And they'll say, well, you should have known this before going into school, you idiot. Right. Which I feel is terrible too. It's it's such a complete lack of empathy for these folks. Right. Um, we need individuals to help us in this world with pain problems and they should be compensated. It's the same as teachers or any other profession. Right. So I think there is a solution to this and we'll go over this a little bit today. Right. Right. Uh, but it is a real problem because if you graduate with $150,000 in loans, right? Um, it depends on how much you're paying in interest. Currently, you know, if they're federal loans, your you know your repayment is going to be frozen at this point, uh, which is really nice. I didn't have that luxury, right? I, I kind of started paying off my loans pre-COVID, right? So basically, I didn't have the opportunity to have my loans frozen. Um, interest rates are astronomical. What ends up happening is that it delays your entire life. So it's really, really hard to buy a house. It's very, very challenging to have kids, right? Because kids are very expensive. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And uh, you're not saving for retirement. You're living more or less paycheck to paycheck. And that's not a really good way to live. You end up getting very scared, frustrated. You know, financial problems are very, very stressful. So, um, you know, I have a lot of empathy for folks that are going through this because I went through it myself, right? It, It does suck, right? But a much better place now. And I think you guys can be in a better place too with the right advice. So in today's episode, we're going to go over a little bit of what I did. We'll talk a little bit about what I think I did right and a little bit about what I think I did wrong, right? And then I'll give you some recommendations. Basically what you could do, and I don't know at what stage you're at if you're listening to this, but basically if you haven't gone to PT school yet, what's some advice for folks going into PT school? I still think that it can be reasonable to go into PT school. Um, PT is a great profession. Obviously, I love it very much. And I think that other folks can get into a place where I am and be in a good place financially um, if they're smart about the way they do it, right? What do you do while you're in school to help yourself from a financial standpoint? And lastly, once you graduate and you're punched in the face with 150,000 fists, right? How do you make smart financial decisions after school to get out of debt, right? And build a little bit of wealth, right? How do we do that? So let's talk a little bit more about this problem because what happens is that folks that A, Aren't in school yet, but are considering PT school. B, are in PT school. And C, just graduated, have no idea of the problem of physical therapy school and the debt that's going to occur (laughs) afterwards, right? Um, You know, this, I think this is changing and I think this is good. Um, But I would say 15, 20, 30 years ago, getting a college degree was the most important thing, right? And there's a high value to that. So if you get a college degree when you graduated, generally speaking, you would get a good job. So essentially, you are paying an institution to give you a diploma so when you graduate, you would get a job that will reimburse you a certain amount. okay? Things have changed. You can go through school, a four-year degree, and rack up a, an incredible amount of debt and not really come out with skills to allow you to get a job or get paid well, right? PT school is a little bit like that. So you need four years of undergrad, and then you need three years to get a doctorate, right? And when you graduate, it's not like you can't get a job. you certainly can. It's just you don't get paid. You know, enough sometimes to pay off the loans that you accumulate, right? So, like I said, uh, folks are graduating on average with, uh, with $150,000 of debt. I've seen a lot of students where it's way higher, okay? And some folks are actually in a good place, right? But the majority of folks are not. They're $150,000 with the debt once they graduate, right? The other piece that I didn't think about too much, right? I didn't have this financial literacy, is that there are huge hitting costs to loans, right? So, essentially, loans grow. Over the course of time, they basically get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So let's say your schooling costs a total of $70,000 and you take out a bunch of loans, right? So some of these loans you have to end up paying off, or excuse me, they will um, continue growing over the course of time in school. Some of them don't, right? Um, So essentially, your loans will get bigger and bigger throughout the course of school, right? And then once you graduate, that occurs at a higher rate because generally when you uh, end up Um, getting out of school, you'll have to pay off uh, more money. Uh, So essentially, uh, I'm I'm blanking on the word right now, but uh, essentially, your loans will grow at a a higher rate because you'll have to pay them off (laughs) once you finish graduating. So a huge hidden cost, right? Uh, When I graduated, I had all of my loans, um, they're all federal loans, and the interest rates are all six to 8%, right? Essentially, my first job out of school was at $60,000, right? This is a while ago. So Essentially, you didn't get paid quite as much in an outpatient setting. Um, and I was also in an area, I was in Colorado, so the salaries are a little bit lower. But essentially, I started at 60000 a year, which is actually decent, right? And here's the thing. I was paying around $1,500 per month in student loan interest, right? And I had, I would say, around $110,000 of debt when I graduated, something along the lines there. Uh, so I was paying $1,500 per month just in interest, right? Right. So essentially my loan, if I paid nothing, which you can't just pay nothing, but I wasn't in a pay-as-you-earn program initially when I graduated, um, I wasn't paying off the entire interest rate every single month. So loan got bigger and bigger and bigger every single month, right? And if I didn't pay off at least $1,500, the loan would grow, right? So here's the thing. I was paying around $20,000, fifteen dollars to $20,000 per year, just in interest, Right? So if you have a salary of sixty thousand when you graduate, let's say you pay ten thousand right off the bat to taxes. So really you're making around fifty thousand. If you subtract another twenty thousand off the top, excuse me yeah twenty thousand off the top of that in interest, you're only really taking home thirty thousand a year, right? Because you paid a lot of that to Uncle Sam and you're paying that off, paying off a lot of interest, right <laughs> to the bank, to the federal government. <clears throat> so here's the thing. you still have to pay off your loan. All you've done is pay off the interest right? So you have to put more money into paying off your loans, and then you have to pay for your rent and for food and everything else. And what ends up happening is that you're left with little to nothing. And then some folks who end up accumulating more debt because you don't make enough money to make ends meet, right? This is kind of crazy, but this is actually happening to a lot of students. And I think what, what happens is that students know that, don't know that this is going to happen once they graduate, right? Certainly before you go into school, no one really educates folks about this. Uh, you can make the argument that maybe in school, we need to learn more about this. I would I would say it really depends on the family and your upbringing. Did they teach you about finances? Do they give you an idea of what's going to happen after school? Um, knowledge of this is all over the place, right? So I can't just like blame every single student and say, you should have known better because I didn't. No one taught me. I just was just following my dreams and society kind of told me that you want to push towards what you're passionate about. Um, and yeah, I know, I guess I should have done my due diligence and you can say I was an idiot, but, uh, at the end of the day, a lot of kids are, are kind of in this same boat as I was. Right. So it's a big problem. So guys, if you like what you're learning about so far, then I want you to go and check out the fitness pain free mini course. So I made a mini course. It's absolutely free. That's the next logical step. If you want to learn more from me. So in the course, we go over five lessons. That first lesson is how traditional schooling has failed us, right? So schooling is phenomenal from a physical therapy perspective, but doesn't really teach you how to work with high level athletes in the fitness world, right? Doesn't always teach you how to do the lifts appropriately. Doesn't teach you about progressions and regressions of common lifts within the gym. Doesn't teach you how to program normally, how to write rehab programs or how to write injury prevention programs for these folks. Next thing we go over. Seven reasons why people get hurt in the gym, four simple steps again. your clients out of pain, how to build the career of your dreams and earn the respect of your community. It's all well and good if you know exactly how to work with folks within the gym, but if you can't get these folks through the door on a regular basis, then you're simply not going to be living the dream that you want to, because you can't get the patients through the door that you want to work with. Okay. So I'll show you how to do that. And lastly, we'll talk a little bit about the fitness pain-free certification. So I'll leave a link in the show notes. I definitely recommend checking this out. Once you sign up for the fitness pain-free mini course, you will be automatically placed in the waitlist for the fitness pain-free certification. Now the fitness pain-free certification is the course, the certification that I wish I had as a new grad that fills in all the gaps and knowledge that you don't get in physical therapy school. So, A, you'll gain complete confidence working with injuries in the strength and fitness world. You'll learn optimal technique for both health and performance from myself and some of the best coaches in the world. You'll master programming for rehabilitation and injury prevention. Have fun while earning a whole bunch of physical therapy and physical therapy assistant credits. You have 31.5 of those. You'll also gain NSCA credits as well as CrossFit credits if you need those. This is the equivalent of a university education in working with injuries in the weight room. I really believe that. I've been adding to this thing over the past five or six years. It's massive, a ton of phenomenal information. And lastly, the biggest goal is just to fill your day with the patients you love working with and building the respect and admiration of the communities you love working with. So I'll leave a link in the show notes, sign up for the fitness pain-free mini course The certification is open four times per year for one week to enroll into. If you're on the wait list by signing up for the fitness pain-free mini course, I'll alert you when that next enrollment period is open and you can get started. Let's get back to the show now. So what are some recommendations that I could give, you know, let's say Dan at 25 years old when I was thinking about going into PT school, right? And I understand a lot of you folks are basically you're in school right now, you're out of school and you're in debt. So I, you know, I'll give you some recommendations at that point, but um, If you can start from the beginning, this is going to help you out a lot, right? So what are some recommendations? So first and foremost, I, I wouldn't go into physical therapy school if you want to make a lot of money, okay? That's just a really bad idea. There's a lot of other fields that make way more money, right? That are probably easier on a regular basis. It's not as emotionally demanding, right? So you can work 40 hours, get paid more, right? Not be so stressed at all the time. Physical therapy is not one of those, Okay. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say that physical therapy is like one of the best jobs you can possibly get. It's, it's not, I really don't think it is. I love it. I've turned it into something I really love, but I I don't think that we should be misleading folks and telling them like, this is going to be something that returns dividends. You're going to love your life. It's challenging, right? So you have to really love physical therapy. I would recommend doing a lot of shadowing a physical therapist, ask a lot of questions, figure out if it's the right thing for you prior to going into it. Uh, I made the decision to go into physical therapy because I love fitness, Right. I love helping people. I think it was the right choice for me, but it has to be the right choice for you. Okay. Next piece is that you should choose a cheap school. Some of these schools are over $70,000 per year, right? That's in my opinion, that's terrible. Okay. I get it, right? Schools need to make money and there's a market for it. There's people still going into these universities. I get it, right? So essentially speaking, we're in a free market for schooling and schools can make those rates as high as people are actually going to pay. Right. But what I will say is that you have the power To not go to these universities, unless you have a whole bunch of money, right? If your parents are paying for it, you're independently wealthy, that's fine. Go for it. Okay. Get that education. But if you're graduating with 200 to $300,000 worth of debt, man, that's going to be tough to pay off. Okay. And some schools are very reasonable. Okay. So please find a cheaper school, find a cheaper university. The university should tell you how much they cost. Don't get sucked into a university just because you made it. Find a university. It's going to be cheaper. Okay. I went to a public school in New Jersey and it was still expensive, okay? I went to the University of Medicine and Dentistry in New Jersey, it's currently Rutgers, good school, also relatively expensive. It's a cheaper option, but it's still not cheap, okay? So, do your research, look around, find cheaper options, okay? The next one, try to live in an area that has a cheaper cost of living, okay? So, if you're in the Boston area, it's just going to be dang cheap to live here. Okay, and I think this is one of the things that maybe professors don't understand is that it's not just that you're paying for the cost of school, you're paying for the cost of living in a given area. So if rent is very high, okay, you have to pay that rent off. Okay, so if the option to be in an area with a cheaper cost of living or maybe live with your parents for a little bit, I know that's tough. It's not something you want to do, especially in graduate school. Uh, That's really going to help out a lot. OK, the next piece is to try to live cheap. Okay. So, that's not just the cost of living. It's going to be food. It's going to be your expenditures, right? Uh, I think the thing that's really important is that if you're taking out extra loans um, to support your cost of living, you're going to pay double over the course of time. And that's just because of the interest rates. So, essentially, if you're taking out another extra $50,000 on top of your tuition rates, you're probably going to end up paying $100,000 or more over the course of time just because the interest accumulates from taking out that extra money. Okay. Just keep that in mind that the loans you're taking out, you're going to pay double later. Okay. Or more, um, I think <laughs> you know it's funny because when I went to PT school, they're like, "You guys are not allowed to work." Like, essentially, it's going to be too hard, and you can't work. Well, that's a load of crock, right? And that's I I think that's disrespectful to the student because essentially you're saying, "Hey, in more debt because we think our program is more important than your life, right?" And your financial stress you're going to be facing later. Uh, of course, you have to pass. Okay, that's really important. You want to be a good physical therapist, but if you can make some extra income right? And pay off some of maybe the interest, right? And loans, if you can pay for the cost of living, food, even a little bit, that's going to pay dividends. I worked all throughout PT school, okay? And I still passed and I actually did pretty dang good. So I think it's worthwhile to try to continue working if you can. All right? I know that's tough. I know it sucks. The other part is that this is not fair. This is not a fair situation. It's not fair that an engineer is going to make way more than you and pay a lot less for school, right? We just have to pay more. And that's, you know, the fact of the matter right now. Uh, and it sucks but that's that so i would say if you can make some extra money try to do it as best as you can the next mistake i made is that when i graduated i didn't take my boards right away i took a little bit of time it was like a month or two right and uh it was hard to find a job because I was in an area where it was a really uh, tough market for physical therapists there were lots of folks that want to do physical therapy not enough jobs right so i couldn't find a job right away Um, If you can take your boards while you're in school, again, this is something my school recommended against. And the reason being is because it's hard to do school and study for boards at the same time. But the fact of the matter is that when you graduate, you're going to get punched, like I said, 150,000 times in the face, right? With all this debt that you owe. So if you're able to scrap a little bit, fight, be a tough person and just take the boards a little bit earlier, I think that's fine. Right, I know as you know a champion. We complain all the time if students are taking their boards like during the clinical affiliation, just because it's hard for them to kind of learn and do extra things outside of the clinic. But the other piece is that it, it sucks being a student. Like you're paying so much money. You're paying. You're paying your university so that another place like champion PT and performance can teach you how to be a physical therapist, right? It's completely unfair and champion doesn't make money, right? So these outpatient clinics that are accepting students and teaching them, they're not making money. The university is, I don't think that's a fair situation, right? So I would say, yes, take the boards if you can, right? Don't fail out of PT school because you have to study for boards, right? But if you're able to take it a little bit sooner, that's going to help. Cause once you graduate and you start paying off your loans, you're not making any money. Like I said, these loans are growing, they're getting bigger, they're getting bigger, right? So the sooner you can get out and start making money, the better, okay? Try to do that if you can. So now how about after school, <clears throat> right? you finished up school, you get punched in the face 150,000 times, right? You're looking at your student loan debt, right? And you're probably drinking, you know, because you're sad, you know, it, it's tough, but you know, let's let's be strong. Let's figure out how we can fix this, right? So what can you do? What are the steps I recommend? Uh, First and foremost, I would recommend trying to refinance. Now, right now, maybe you don't have to refinance right away. And the reason being is that federal loans are on a freeze. I was just looking. It looks like they're frozen until June of 2022. So interest is at zero. You're not paying extra money. You can just like not pay at all, which is crazy. That's not what happened when I graduated, right? But right now, I'd say you don't have to refinance, but you do need to refinance before June of 2022, it looks like, because interest is going to start kicking in again, right? And you're going to have to pay 6 to 8% or whatever interest rate your loans are at. And like I said, that can be upwards of like $1,000, $2,000 per month, just in interest, okay? So you need to learn how to refinance. So what is refinancing? You basically go to different companies, different banks. Basically, what they do is they buy up all of your loans and they just refinance you with a different interest rate, right? I am refinanced through First Republic Bank. I highly recommend it. Maybe I'll leave a link in the show notes if you're able to do that. Uh, there's another, there's a bunch of them out there. SoFi is another one of those. Um, there's lots and lots of options. I recommend shopping around to a bunch of different ones and then just figure out um, which one gives you the best interest rate and go for it, right? Because that could be the difference of tens, even hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? If you can refinance at a really good rate. Like I said, I was paying six to eight percent. Um, we ended up consolidating our loans with my wife and I together and then refinancing through first Republic and we're at like 2.5%, which is an amazing interest rate. Okay. And that's a uh, really changed the way we save, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Right. Uh, but it's going to save you thousands of dollars, little literally thousands of dollars, potentially every single month if you have a lot of loans. So I highly, highly recommend you look into refinancing, right. Uh, especially after June of 2022, when all those federal loans are not frozen anymore, right? Second piece that you should do is you should learn to budget, okay? You have to think about all of your expenses on a monthly basis, right? So how much does it cost for your rent, for your food, right? For all of your expenses, car, um, everything, okay? How much you spend on groceries and write this all out and figure out how much this costs month to month to month, all right? Because this is going to be important. You need to know how much it costs to just live, at a baseline, right? And you can start to budget for things like vacation or, you know, if anything else you want to buy, all that stuff is important to budget for, right? But one of the reasons why you need to learn how to budget is because you also have to do a bunch of other things to get this financial freedom, right? So one of which is going to be building a nest egg. So what the heck is a nest egg? A nest egg just means that if if you lose your job, right? If your partner loses their job, right? If you don't have a partner, it's all on you. Uh, you need to have some sort of money Uh, hidden away so that you can live for the next three to six months. Okay. And this is super important because the last thing you want to do is live paycheck to paycheck and then get sick, right? Or lose your job. And then basically you can't pay any of this money back that you owe. That's uh, that's incredibly stressful financially. You probably start having to talk to your family members and it's, it it would be, it's a huge mess. Okay. So I think first and foremost, just save a little bit of money, three to six months, um, How much money you need, it's going to depend on obviously your budget, your expenses, right? And how important it is to have three months for this six months and how much risk you're willing to take, right? But you need to have a nest egg and that's very, very important, okay? And the next step is to save and to save aggressively, okay? And I'll tell you why in a minute. So first and foremost, as a physical therapist, you're behind with your savings, big time, okay? Unless you were putting a lot of money away before, which most people aren't, you're going to be behind. Okay. And what do I mean by that? So let's say you're in a different profession and you start making money right out of undergrad. So at 22 years old, you start making money. Okay. And if you start investing that money right away, so let's say you start saving for retirement, um, right out the gates. Okay. And let's compare this to me where I got a four-year degree and started working as a personal trainer. And I saved a little bit, but not very much. Okay. I think my employer matched a little bit and I I did end up putting some money in for retirement, uh, but not very much. Then I went to PT school and that was another three years, right? So essentially it took me five years from graduating until I was through with grad school to start making some money, okay? So what happens is that I missed five years of savings, right? So I could have accumulated thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into retirement that I did not do because I was in school paying to learn how to do something specific, paying for a skill essentially, okay? So if you are finishing up school, 27, 28, 29, you're behind the ball because most likely you don't have any retirement whatsoever, okay? So you actually have to make up for lost time because money compounds, and it's an amazing thing. I'll show you some, uh, some numbers later, but essentially if you were able to put in several thousand dollars when you were like 22, that's going to be worth a lot more in five years, okay? And it compounds over the course of time. So you're behind and you need to save more. Okay, there's a lot of calculators online to to help you figure out how much money you should have at each stage of your life. At the end of the day, you want to save enough so that you can retire at a certain age and have a certain like standard of living, right? A certain amount of money. So it's obviously very variable depending on what your goals are and what you want when you retire. But that's what you want to start thinking about. Okay. So I would recommend saving the maximum amount that you're allowed to. Okay. Now that would require opening up a retirement savings account. Okay. Which is easy. And oftentimes you can do it within your, with your employer and they usually will match a certain amount of money, right? So maybe your employer matches 3% of what you put down. So essentially you're getting 3% of what you're putting down for free. It's free money. It's not free because your employer is paying for it, right? Uh, but it's a great benefit for working for a company, right? You want to try to save as much as you're able to. Uh, and you make sure that you budget first. So you're not over savings because if you save too much and you can't pay your rent, that's obviously a problem. Uh, But I do want to say that it's important that you save as much as you possibly can. Uh, I save about 20% of all of my earnings, right? And this is in retirement savings accounts, as well as kind of post-tax savings accounts as well. I'll talk to you a little bit about what I've done uh, over the course of time. So um, the, the next question is like, all right, I have like these enormous loans. Should I try to pay these off, right? Because they don't feel good, right? Should I pay these off or should I try to invest in other things? Um, And I'll tell you a little bit, I am not a financial advisor. The reason why I made this is because A, someone asked me, right? B, like the financial literacy for the average person is bismal. So I think even the little bit of knowledge I have is really, really going to help you. Okay. So take this all with a grain of salt. You need to do your learning on your own. Okay. Uh, So should you pay off your loans or should you just save? Right. So I would say it depends on the interest, Right. So essentially, if you look at let's say the S and P 500, so essentially the, the top uh, 500 companies that are earning the most in the market, uh, you can invest in that. And the average return in the long term is around 9.3%. It depends on the you know, the time frame. Currently, the S and P is doing terrible, but generally speaking, it it does return around 9.3%. Okay. So I told you already that my loan, student loan interest when I graduated, were six to eight percent. Okay. They're currently at 2.5%. So they're way better after I refinanced. Okay. So essentially, if I take my money. I can decide to either put it uh, into the S&P 500, right? 1000 bucks per month, or I can take that same $1,000 and try to pay off my student loans, right? So if I am returning an S&P at 9%, right? In theory, if I put $1,000 into an s and I'll make a little bit more money over the course of time than paying off my student loans because my student loans are at 6.8%. So I make a, a small percentage point more by saving versus paying off my loans faster, Okay. Here's the thing. So my loans are the interest rates are very low. It's two point five percent. So if I was to just pay off my loans as fast as I can with all my extra money, as saving all my money as fast as I can with all my extra income, long term I would lose more by trying to pay off my loans as opposed to putting that into something like the S and P five hundred, as long as it returns at the rate it has historically. Right. So there's some risk there. So where you should put your money depends on your risk tolerance. And to be honest, for me. It's a bit of a no-brainer. My money actually goes more into the S and P than it goes into paying off my student loans, because my interest rate is so low that it doesn't make sense for me to just put all my money into paying off my student loans. And here's the thing: I kind of lied to you. Um, I don't have. I didn't pay off all my student debt. Okay, uh, at one point I was in a position to pay off all of my student debt, and I didn't. I purchased a home. I put more money into savings. Right. Because I knew that long-term, I'm investing into a a home, which I wanted and needed at the time, right? And that's going to appreciate over the course of time, especially in the Boston area where I live. Home value gets more and more and more and more. We'll talk about that in a minute, right? But the other thing is I was able to put money into savings. I know that's going to return as well, okay? And if I dumped all that money into paying off my loans, um, that would psychologically feel good. But long-term, it wouldn't return as much, okay? So that's basically what I did. So it's something you have to figure out on your own, but at least you're, you're educated with the knowledge of where to put your money and what happens, where you put it. Right. Um, what I do recommend is to try to pay off expensive debt, And this is basically a Dave Ramsey thing. So if you haven't followed Dave Ramsey, he's a great financial guy. I'd definitely recommend checking him out. <clears throat> but Essentially, if you have debt where interest rates are higher than let's say the S and P like 9% you definitely want to pay that off first right? Because that's going to be more expensive. It's just going to compound over the course of time. Uh, one of the biggest sources of debt that's bad debt is going to be credit cards, right? So credit cards can be 20 to 30% interest. So you're paying a god-awful amount in interest every month. If you have credit card debt that's that high, pay it off as soon as humanly possible, you have kind of good debt, which would be like a mortgage at a really low interest rate, or if you have, let's say, student loans at a really low interest rate. Now, I'd say you can pay that off much more slowly because you can take your money and, and just uh, invest that into an appreciating asset that's going to turn more over the course of time. Okay. So, let's talk about this idea of appreciating assets versus depreciating assets. And if you want more information on this, I recommend reading Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, phenomenal text. I read this, I feel like a couple of years ago, I should have read it sooner. To be honest, I was a little bit late to the party. But one of the big takeaways is that you want to take your money and invest into it and in appreciate asset. What does that mean? Right? So think about the difference between buying a car and buying real estate. So as soon as you buy a car, as soon as you drive it off, drive it off a lot, you start depreciating the value of the car, right? So the car has actually worth less money. As soon as you drive it off a lot. And over the course of time it's worth less and less and less and less. What about a house? So houses, depends on the housing market, but historically they go up and they go up and they go up and they go up. So if you buy a house, it actually is not worth less over the course of time like cars. It's worth more. And that would be called an appreciating asset. So essentially the extra money you have, as much as you're able to, you want to try to invest into appreciating assets. Okay. Now I'm a bit of a psychopath about this in the sense that I don't like to spend money on things I know, you know, are going to be depreciating. So if you buy a candy bar and eat it, it's not going to return right? Unless maybe the the, the candy bar is giving you nutrition to not die or something like that. Like you can look at your health as an appreciating asset, maybe, but if you're buying candy bars, it's not good for your health, right? If you're buying shoes, right? You're buying clothes. That's a depreciating asset. If you're buying real estate, if you're investing to the S&P 500, that money is going to make more money for you. That's called an appreciating asset. And wherever possible, we're trying to invest into appreciating assets Invest less into depreciating assets as much as you possibly can, right? So, SP 500 in terms of um, risky investments, it's one of the safer ones, right? You still can lose money in SP 500. I'm not a financial advisor, right? Take everything I say with a grain of salt, but if you look at what the SP 500 returns, right? So we said, it's about a 9.3% return or something along those lines. So there are a ton of these calculators online. They're, they're really interesting. Uh, it just shows you how much money can compound and grow over the course of time if you invest into like the, a big market, been uh, to a big index fund like S&P. So in 1980, had you invested a mere $1,000 in what went on to become the top-performing stock of the S&P 500. And you'll be sitting on a cool $1.2 million today right? And that's a total return of $120,000, right? Uh, So this is 40 something years. But if you put $1,000 in S&P and just sit on it and don't do anything with it, it grows, it compounds. It's crazy the amount of money that is built over the course of time. So it makes sense. We only live so long, right? And if you're a young person, the money you put in today is going to be worth a lot more over the course of time. So it makes sense as a younger individual, if you care about later stages of life, you want to put more money in early on. I get it. You know, we could die tomorrow. Right. And then all that money you saved is wasted. And I get that. Um, But you do want to think about this in the sense that the more money you put down now, the more it's going to be worth later in life. So you can build that wealth and eventually it it buys freedom. Right. If you put enough money into appreciating assets, you're going to get to the point where you don't have to work because your money is making more money than what you currently make, you know, with your yearly salary. Uh, And that's a really cool and interesting thought. If you want to try to build some wealth and kind of take your foot at the, the gas pedal at some point in your life, because we all get stuck in this rat race, it just kind of like spins out of control and then eventually you die, right? <laughs> I know that's grim, but uh, if we want to try to stop that and build some sort of wealth and financial freedom, this is one of the ways to do it. Okay. And that's uh, that's a really cool thing. So what are other good investments you can start making? Well, one of those is going to be real estate. This is a tough thing to break into, obviously, because you need a decent amount of money, right? Or you have to be, um, I don't know, able to tolerate risk. So taking out big loans from a bank so you can buy real estate and hope that when you kind of take that home in, you can rent it out and then you can make more money long-term. It takes knowledge, takes skills, takes risk tolerance, right? Or it takes more money upfront. So real estate is one of those investments. So if you buy a house, if you buy an apartment complex, if you have a lot of money, then you can rent that out and it makes more money, right? Passively if you have a property management company, right? So this is this is one way that you can buy something that will build more wealth over the course of time. Uh, like I said, you can invest in the S&P. That's an easy way to do it, right? Super simple, like zero effort involved over the course of time, right? You just have to put the money in there, forget about it, and let it grow. <clears throat> the next piece where I feel like is a great return on investment, right? And appreciating asset is going to be knowledge, okay. So what do I mean by that? If you can learn some skills that allow you to either A, make more money. So a good example would be if you want to learn the skill of trying to invest in real estate, right, that can return dividends because now you have the knowledge to learn how to buy things, learn how to potentially flip things, right? Learning how to figure out which markets are going to be hot in real estate, which homes to buy, right? And all of a sudden you have a way that's going to increase the amount of money you can make over the course of time, okay? Now, we're physical therapists. We don't really necessarily want to be real estate agents, right? Or buy and sell real estate, right? That was just an example. But what can you do? You can invest in resources, books, courses, mentoring that's going to teach you how to be a better business person or teach you how to be a better marketer within your industry, okay? So for me, there's a lot of folks out there teaching you how to become a better cash-based physical therapist to charge more, get more people through the door, market yourself. That would be a great return on investment because it allows you to make more money over the course of time, okay? The other areas what might be worthwhile to invest into are books, right, and programs that teach you financial literacy, right? The same stuff that I'm teaching you right now on how to invest, save money, that type of thing. Another good investment would probably be investing into a financial advisor. Someone's going to help you make these decisions over the course of time, right? But I also recommend reading reading books, learning about yourself, right? It's good stuff. Uh, You can invest into real estate, right? I know a lot of folks that maybe do a full-time job and they do real estate on the side, they make more money and they kind of invest into real estate. Um, That's a real skill, right? It's something you can learn over the course of time and something you can build. You can build wealth that way, okay? And I think the caveat here is that, A, you have to invest in knowledge that's going to produce income over the course of time, right? So let's say that um, you're a physical therapist and you invest into an active release therapy course, okay? Popular course, not as popular as it once was, but uh, for a long while, it was like a gold standard type of treatment for, I would say, chiropractors more so. But here's the thing. Chiropractors are actually pretty good at marketing themselves, right? They would market that they are ART providers. And it was kind of interesting because it, you know, if, if you were in the market and you have pain and you're looking for a chiropractor, one of the things that you would look for is ART certification. If you looked at a lot of chiropractors, they would market that a lot. And they would get folks through the door because they had an ART certification, right? If you're a physical therapist and you're in a typical insurance-based model and you're ART certified, it doesn't really make money for you, right? Because you're not more valuable to the consumer because they're going to come in, they're going to pay your copay, right? And then, you know, usually your boss is not going to pay more either because you have these skills. So two things, A, you had to invest in something that's actually going to make you more money and that's going to be really important, right? Uh, And B, if you are investing in something that, you know, maybe outwardly doesn't look like it's making more money, how can you be a little bit more creative in terms of trying to figure out how you can make this certification make more money for you? Okay. Uh, For example, I have a whole certification. And one of the things I push is like, I'm trying to get you to make more money as a cash-paced PT. I'm going to teach you the skills to be more valuable in your community to return money. But if you're kind of an insurance-based model, it might be a little tough for you. You might buy my certification and not be able, you'll, you'll be better as a provider for sure. But will it make you more money? Maybe not. Okay. So you have to invest in knowledge that's going to return more money over the course of time, right? Um, if you just buy something because you want to learn how to treat something a little bit better, I would say that that is more of a depreciating asset, not necessarily appreciating. So when I'm talking about investing in your knowledge, just, just make sure that you're spending money in the right areas and realize that if you're spending money on a course, because you want to do it and not because it's going to, you know, return more then you, you aren't investing in something that's going to build your wealth. Right. But that's okay. We do that all the time. You know, I buy stuff all the time just because I want it, not because it's going to make me earn more money over the course of time. So. And last bit, and you know, this is already becoming a really long show episode. I didn't really want it to be that long, but there's just so much information here. Um, <clears throat> make more money, right? And you know, what, what can you do to make a little bit more money? So first and foremost, you got to find a higher paying job, right? And as physical therapists, one of the things that sucks is we get low balled. You know, a lot of companies will offer us less money and that sucks, right? We have a lot of debt. We need to value ourselves. If we keep on taking these super low ball offers all the time, what's going to happen is that employers are going to keep on giving us lowball offers because they can, they can get it from us. So I think it's important that you just value yourself, see what your market around you is paying, make sure you're getting paid a good rate. Okay. And also be prepared to move to another job. If it's going to pay you more, especially, right. Because you know, it's, it's sometimes you're in a dire situation in terms of how much money. I mean, I remember talking to my boss back in the day and I was offered a job at one point that was like, I would say like another $2,000, $3,000 more than I was getting paid currently, right? I had a crazy amount of student debt. And I told my boss, I'm like, look, I'm about to change jobs. Not because I dislike this job. I love this job, but I need that extra money. And they actually ended up giving me a little bit more money, which is nice. They bumped my income a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you need to get the money, keep looking around. Keep your eyes open. Look and see what um, other jobs are paying. If if someone is paying you more, you know, take that job, Right. Uh, Another way you can make a bit more money is to go cash-based or do some cash-based stuff on the side. Uh, Generally speaking, you get paid a lot more per hour, right? So what ends up happening is that if you make enough, you know, if you have enough patients from a cash pay perspective, it almost doesn't make sense to be an insurance-based provider anymore, right? So if that's an opportunity for you, I'd say go for it. The other piece you can offer ancillary services, maybe that's some sort of fitness, writing, training programs, that type of thing. I've done some show episodes about that in the past. If you're interested, I'll leave a link in the show notes. But um, you know, this it's beyond the the scope of this lesson today, right? Um, and last thing I want to leave you with, you know, it, this this makes me mad, right? And it also makes me excited. So one of the things that we do as physical therapists, we treat people in pain. Okay, and in my opinion, and I think the evidence supports this, we are one of the best people. Helping people in pain, right? I think low back pain is a great example. So, any sort of exercise based intervention is good for low back pain. What do physical therapists excel in? Exercise based intervention. Okay, I'm going to read you the stat. So, low back pain is a leading cause of disability worldwide. Okay, so it's basically one of the biggest problems in the entire world, right? This is, I think, this study was in 194 different countries. Okay, so this is not just the United States, this is globally low back pain is the biggest disability in the world, okay? And generally speaking, from a business perspective, what ends up happening is that bigger problems, okay? There's more money to solve these problems, all right? And it's baffling to me that physical therapists could be one of the best professions to help the biggest problem in the world. One of the biggest problems in the world were paid so little, right? And I think a big reason for this is essentially because of insurance companies, right? Um, this is also a sticky wicket, but essentially like a lot of folks feel that healthcare is a, a universal right, okay? Um, so what ends up happening is that we get super undervalued for the problem that exists. But I, I do believe that this problem is huge, right? And it's not just low back pain. There's lots of other pain problems out there. Physical therapists can be very, very powerful. So if you have any inkling of being a businessman, businesswoman, entrepreneur right? This is a huge problem that you can solve. All right. And you can get reimbursed for those services, right? So be smart. There's a big market out there. You can help a lot of folks and you can do it in a way that's ethical, moral, and you can make money doing it. All right. Just have to be a bit of an entrepreneur and, you know, no business of it. And lastly, thank you so much for your support. You truly allow me to do what I love for a living. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that like button, comment, and subscribe to the channel. It helps me out tremendously. If you are listening or watching the podcast version of this, please leave me a positive rating and review. Again, helps me out tremendously. If you want to go that extra step and support me further, consider subscribing to Fitness Pain-Free Insiders. It's a comprehensive educational resource and toolkit for the fitness and rehab professional. Think Netflix, but for trainers and physical therapists, you have premium content from me. Very similar to what you're watching right now, but more in depth. You get updated monthly webinars delivered via me. You have over a hundred webinars, eBooks, and complete guides at your disposal. You have access to a private Facebook group to have all your questions answered by me. You can decide upcoming podcast topics. And the best part is you can get started for just a dollar, right? And lastly, you can cancel anytime. If you do cancel, I'll be a little sad, but that's okay. I'll leave a link in the show notes, but if you want to get started right now, head to fitnesspainfree.com, click on the programs link, and then click on Fitness Pain Free Insider's online library to get started.